so yeah, I'd, I'd like to introduce this week's episode of, uh, of Growing Tech Fast, um, essentially a condensed podcast around um, the journey within a, within a number of, uh, of SaaS startups. Um, we've got a, a guest on the show today, so this is, uh, is, is Brandon Conley. Um, Brandon, uh, I'll pass it over to you, um, let you do a little bit more of, uh, of an introduction on, um, on your side. Thanks, Alex, for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on. I am uh, currently the Chief Revenue Officer of App Omni in the SaaS security password management space, but I've been in cybersecurity since 98 or 99, um, starting my career as a, um, a technical recruiter or a headhunter in New York City, coaching uh, uh, Unix admins from one bank and putting them in another, and uh, ended up working for a Silicon Valley startup. Uh, called Oblix at the time and shifting over to uh, to sales and have been doing uh, enterprise sales and cybersecurity ever ever since. Yeah, good stuff. So, um, yeah, obviously nice to uh, nice to have you on, um, sharing somewhat of a, of a similar background with uh, with ourselves. But um, yeah, look, uh, pleasure pleasure to have you on. Um, I guess to, to start off, you know, it'd be good to get a little bit of a you know further understanding around um, around your journey. Um, yeah, how you've become to obviously be BCRO of, uh, of App Omni. Yeah, well, again, I uh, started as a headhunter and like really enjoyed the technology a lot more than the headhunting and uh, shifted over to, to the manufacturer side early in my career. I uh, was an individual contributor at Obelix and then uh, moved over to a company called Aventail in the SSL VPN space when that was, uh, was a new thing. Um, uh, and started uh, there uh, running the Mid-Atlantic, had a lot of success, uh, eventually took over the East and ran a team. Uh, and then finally, um, uh, I guess in year six or seven of my 12 there, uh, took over the uh, VP of America's role for, for Aventail and, you know, have been in uh, management since then. Um, and, uh, you know, went to SonicWall, gone through now five acquisitions. Um, each one of them has been, uh, you know, a better experience than the last, uh, I would say, uh, but I've spent the last, you know, three, uh, jobs in the cloud security space, either, uh, SaaS security when I was at Netscope, uh, public cloud security at Redlock and then Palo Alto networks, and now back in the SaaS security space, uh, with a slightly different, uh, take on it, uh, at App Omni, uh, but, uh, have been everything from, you know, rep an inside rep actually starting at Oblix. Uh, to a field rep and then uh, you know management in various layers uh, these last couple of roles have been VP worldwide sales and now uh, CRO yeah great stuff so um, yeah I, mean, I think uh, certainly from my side quite a, quite an interesting topic we've got um, on, on this week's show so um, essentially we're, we're going to be covering um, covering war stories you know um, how how to how to handle it um, how to prevent it you know, when you when you have that that mammoth deal, that big deal, um, that you know for for whatever reason, um, you know, you get to gets to the very very end, um, and it doesn't quite materialize. So, um, yeah, going to have a, a little bit of a discussion around you know what what perhaps preemptive measures measures you can take to um, to help help solve this. Um, you know how to how to react in the in the aftermath. And um, Brandon, I, I know you've uh, you've been spending a little bit of time. Um, putting together, you know, a, a few thoughts on um, on some some war stories that that you've been through over um, of, of the past. Yeah, so uh, I do have two in mind. Uh, there there are far more <laughs> than these two, <laughs> uh, but but the first one was uh, uh, really kind of a shock to the system, and uh, I think uh, informed the rest of my career. Um, and it started as you know an individual contributor. This was back in the early two thousands. 
Um, we started a sales cycle with one of the largest uh, federal agencies here in the US, uh, many tens of thousands of users. Uh, it was a year long plus uh, process of a uh, you know, very in-depth POC against our direct competition. Um, everything seemed to be going really well with this opportunity and it was supposed to culminate um, literally on the day that my third child was being born. So I, I was taking calls uh, from the hospital, which I don't recommend. Uh, but this deal was, you know, seven figures for us at the time as a startup, it was uh, pivotal to making the quarter. We all assumed uh, for quite a while leading up to this that uh, we were going to win that deal and make the quarter. Uh, every indication was that we had won the, the bake-off. Um, the deal was in procurement, which uh, in the federal space is a, a very structured, formal process, um, you know, in which you, you can't be involved as a vendor. They select the partner. Uh, and then they make the award. So um, the interesting aspect of this deal is that uh, we had a partner program and like most partner programs had a deal registration um, option. We had one partner here uh, in the DC area that was engaged in the account, had multiple uh, consultants working in that agency. They approached us, uh, requested deal registration. Uh, they were involved in the deal. They were capable on our product. Uh, and they had, uh, like I said before, multiple consultants working in the area that our product would have been deployed. So we approved that deal registration. Uh, about mm, halfway through the, the sales cycle, six months in or more, a second partner uh, emerged, um, asked uh, for deal registration. We denied it. Uh, because it had already been granted to another and the deal was progressing. As we got to the very end of the sales cycle, however, uh, the CISO, and this is uh, fast forwarding all the way to the day where I'm in the hospital where my, my third child is about to be born, wow. uh, calls me on my cell phone and says, um, you know, I have this order uh, for your product sitting in front of me from procurement. All that's required is my signature. So, you know, your company has won the bake off, you've been selected uh, to receive the award, uh, but uh, I'm not happy with uh, the partner that this uh, order is going through. I, I need you, meaning me, to change that. Well, uh, first off, um, I would never do that. Uh, I think it would show an incredible lack of integrity of our partner program. And, it's just something that I wouldn't do. But even more, uh, I think, disturbing is that in the government procurement process, the vendor cannot dictate to the agency or to the government uh, who to procure from. We, we can have nothing to do with that process. So it struck me as incredibly odd that the CISO was uh, instructing me uh, to, in effect, you know, violate the law and force an order through his preferred partner for whatever his reasons were. So I, I very politely and I think diplomatically uh, declined you know, on those, those bases. Uh, he threatened on the phone directly to kill the deal. If I did not, uh, this of course put me into a little bit of a panic given the size of the deal, how long we've been working on it, how key it was to our quarter. Uh, so I called my COO uh, and CEO and sort of informed them on what was happening. Um, and they supported my position. So um, give a lot of credit to them for um, showing integrity, sticking to our partner program, not uh, you know, caving in to this demand, which we also believe was illegal. Um, so we didn't. And sure enough, he followed through on his promise, ripped it up, 
uh, did not give us the order, um, ended up going back to our direct competition and awarding it to them. Um, I don't recall whether it was through that preferred partner or not, whether he was able to manipulate that procurement process, but uh, it was absolutely devastating, right? So this, yeah. this was a deal that we all expected to close. It was going to make our quarter. It didn't. Um, but fortunately, I had the support of, of my, uh, my management team. We, we thought about uh, filing a complaint, um, challenging the award, uh, but ultimately decided that that was going to be too expensive and likely not worth um, the, the bad uh, press uh, in the federal government and decided to, to move on. Yes, and, and as, as well, I guess all at the same time trying to trying to deal with this from from the hospital um, waiting on the uh, on the third child. So it always that never arrives at a, a good time, right? Yeah, no, never never a good time, and that certainly <laughs> uh, put a cloud over what should have been an extremely happy day. Yeah, a hundred percent. And uh, again, I, I think probably the answer to this is a, is a given. But you know, if you could um, rewind back to um, you know, that, that decision that you had to make on, on that call there and then, um, you know, on, on changing, changing partner, um, would that be, be, be something that you'd, you'd go back and do, do differently or um, are you be glad that you kind of carried through on the, the way that you did? Uh, no, I, I would never change that decision. It was the right thing to do. There was really no lack of clarity on what the right thing to do was. And it's unfortunate that we didn't get it. Uh, but the company survived and, you know, we, we went on and found other deals. Um, there is a some, somewhat happy ending to this story in that a year or two later, that agency um, experienced a massive data breach. Uh, the CISO was held accountable. Uh, he was uh, terminated and uh, it was also then um, revealed that he had uh, engaged in inappropriate behavior with multiple suppliers. Uh, so th this was a bad a bad seed. Um, it took time, and uh, unfortunately, it wasn't in time to help us. But uh, I guess karma is real. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And I guess again, you know, kind of rewinding into um, you know anywhere from 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 the qualification to um, you know ultimately the stage where where this contract's on the CISO's desk. Um, from from your side, I mean, um, you know, perhaps the listeners would there be any kind of like preventative measures or anything that you'd have um done differently in in the run-up to that well you know to me this was pretty unpredictable i i never would have guessed that a senior level executive in a very large agency uh would be so blatant uh and bold <laughs> with with a demand at the 11th hour um to push a deal through a partner that he preferred for whatever reason um, so I, I'm not sure that you can really anticipate that situation. Um, we did attempt to ameliorate uh, the, the situation by offering to compensate the other partner, right? So obviously not removing the deal reg, allowing it to continue to go through with the, the right partner, but also uh, compensating the other partner for whatever contribution they had made. But that was uh, insufficient to change uh, this uh, this CISO's mind, so that that didn't work. I'm not sure that any other um, approach would have, other than uh, you know switching the deal to the other partner. But that would have been the wrong thing to do. I'm 100% uh, happy with the decision uh, in spite of the outcome. Yeah, 100%. No, um, yeah, completely relate. You know, sometimes you you do need to need to stick to your to your guns from a from a moral perspective as well, right? 
Um, but I, I guess as well, like most importantly, um, you know, for in, in terms of the af aftermath, obviously, um, something like that, you know, is, is going to be a, be a big knock, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, what, 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 what did you do in the, in the aftermath there? So, you know, kind of pick yourself up and, and, and carry, carry on? Uh, yeah, you know, I think I've, uh, I've developed some uh, amnesia to the immediate post uh, debacle <laughs> time frame. Um, like I said, we, we've debated for a week or two whether we would go and uh, file a complaint with the government uh, about this individual's behavior and the demand. And um, interestingly, uh, he had left a voicemail prior to me connecting with him directly and uh, with essentially the same demand. And, and we had that that voicemail. So we, we could have done something with it, but um, I, I, I agree with uh, the management team at the time that that probably wasn't going to be the best use of our time um, yeah. challenging the deal. So yeah, um, we, we just continued on in our campaign. The federal government found other customers. Um, you know, it set us back a, a little bit, but, uh, but in the long run, uh, didn't, didn't kill us. Yeah, yeah you gotta, gotta pick your, uh, pick your battles, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. So um, I know you, you mentioned you'd, you'd got a couple of um, yeah, war, war stories here. So um, yeah, talk, talk us through the, uh, through the next. Yeah, you know, uh, my one regret in telling that war story is I'm trying to keep it as generic as possible and not, uh, not, not reveal who it is or what agency <laughs> it was, but there were some really salacious details around that other partner. <laughs> yeah, you've got to be a little bit cryptic. Out. I've left out of the narrative. Uh, but uh, I'll, I'll let the listener fill in the blanks. Um, so, you know, that, that was sort of the, uh, the external war story uh, that was uh, really, really pivotal in my career because it was relatively early in my career and I'd never really experienced anything quite that traumatic. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, that, that's kind of the external one. And then the other one um, that, that really sticks in my mind is uh, more of an internal uh, sales conflict or, or war story. Uh, and again, I, I won't name the company or, or the people involved, but uh, this is a situation where uh, I was running one of the largest regions of the company in terms of revenue and of people. Um, and we had a, an SVP who had brought in a large number of his former uh, direct reports uh, from a previous company. And, and this presented uh, a whole host of, of challenges. And I think you know, any manager who's in this situation can probably uh, immediately sympathize with this. Um, it, it creates um, a situation where if, if you don't get the answer you want from mommy, uh, you go to daddy. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of an open secret uh, in this company that the people that had come from that, uh, that other company and worked for this SVP in the past were given preferential treatment in innumerable ways. Uh, higher compensation, longer draws, uh, more equity than others. Um, and, and this was a consistent uh, experience for the non-alumni uh, members of the team and myself. Um, and, and this sort of pattern of behavior uh, extended to his decisions, um, in addition to the ones that he was making on our behalf for our reports, uh, to the point where he would uh, pretend to empower his leadership team to make decisions about how to handle things like geographic splits and commission and credit on deals that crossed, let's say, from Asia to the U.S. or from Europe to the U.S. and, and vice versa. Um, the, the leadership team made agreements on this, uh, had it all documented. There was really no question about how things were supposed to be handled. Uh, but this, this SVP uh, brought in a leader in another one of the GOs 
um, and uh, allowed uh, that leader and his team to actively uh, sell um, in my territory at the time without uh, informing me uh, or the rep on my side that was supposed to be jointly working the opportunity. It was at the time the largest uh, deal that the company um, would ever do, uh, at least in my tenure there, because it did end up happening. Um, and uh, it was one of those situations where, and I, I think a lot of sales VPs or a fair number of them tend to do this, uh, they will leave everything as vague as possible for as long as possible and promise everyone that it'll all be taken care of once the deal closes. And I think we, you know, anybody in sales has probably heard that line a million times. Like, don't worry about it now. Let's just do what we need to do to win it. And, and then we'll figure it out after the deal closes. Uh, I, I think that should be a huge red flag for any sales rep or any you know leader in between, um, because what it really means is you're going to get screwed <laughs> at the end of the day. <laughs> uh, and, and sure enough, that's kind of what happened in this case. Um, you know, I, I was saying that uh, I think I picked up from one of my RSMs over the years, which was, you know, I'd much rather be stabbed in the front than stabbed in the back. <laughs> So uh, I, I think it's in everybody's interest for sales leaders to uh, be very blunt um, uh, at the very beginning of a sales cycle where there's any question about how an opportunity would be split or, or jointly worked. Uh, I always insist that the reps of my teams um, negotiate those types of things between themselves first uh, and only if they can't come to an agreement, which they document and copy me on, so I'm, I'm in the loop. Only if they cannot come to a reasonable agreement on how to work something together in the best interest of the company uh, and in themselves, uh, th then I, I'll get involved. But whenever that happens and I have to make the decision, someone's going to be unhappy. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think the, uh, that approach has worked really well for me. 99% uh, of splits um, are, are negotiated by the members of my teams. Uh, I rarely have to get involved with that. And, and when everyone understands from day one exactly how, you know, an opportunity is going to be handled, uh, you very rarely have um, issues, right, after the deal closes. Uh, you know, they, they may gripe that one did more work than the other or, you know, uh, other things. But if they made the agreement up front, um, then it, it tends, to, tends to prevent issues from occurring uh, in the first place. You know, once once the deal closes, so um, you know again, stab stab me in the front, not in the back. <laughs> and yeah, I guess kind of just make make sure that every everything is is laid out before um, that that gets over the line, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it, if you set the right expectations, then uh, you know there's there's no hurt feelings uh, at the end of the day. Uh, I find that's a a far far better way to deal with these situations than you know top down arbitrary decisions. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, cool. Look, obviously, um, you know, I think two two very very different stories there that you know you you you've come through and you you've learned from. But um, you know, I think behind you know every every learning journey you go on is um, you know a great coach, a great mentor. I mean, um, who through you know these these various journeys have have you looked upon who's helped you and supported you through through obviously these these decisions and this uh, this fallout. Uh, was the question who who sort of inspired me or coached me along the way? Yeah, hundred um, percent. Well, I, I point to two things. I, I've been fortunate to have some some very wise um, 
calm, measured, uh, I think, uh, forward thinking and, and long-term thinking managers, uh, COOs and, and COOs. So I've been lucky on that front. Um, but, you know, prior to, to entering this space and in, in my career in sales, um, you know, I'm an army brat. My, my father was a colonel uh, who went to West Point, spent 30 years in the military and, you know, two tours in Vietnam. Uh, you know, integrity has always been, um, you know, kind of the, the number one character trait uh, that that he's exhibited, um, and you know he led by example as, as opposed to uh, <laughs> as opposed to you know beating us on the head with it. Um, you know, I and my my siblings got to observe uh, a man of incredible integrity uh, growing up, and uh, you know I think everything starts with that. Um, you know, there's a million different uh, characteristics and traits that uh, I think all of us aspire to exhibit, but um, I put integrity at the very top and I, I think everything else flows from there. Yeah, cool. I mean, that, that's pretty much answered, answered my ne next question for me as well, because I know integrity has, has kind of been something that's come up in both of these stories that, you know, you've, you've stuck your guns on and um, yeah, you know, I, I think, I think kudos on, on that and um, looking at, at where you are today, you know, obviously that's, um, that's, that's been the right decision, right? So far, so good. <laughs> um, and I guess kind of for, for the benefit of, um, of, of our listeners and, you know, kind of the, the key takeaways that, that you've had um, from these two journeys, you know, what, what advice would, would you have for, for these guys, um, you know, both, both salespeople and, and sales leaders? I think uh, the, the advice would be that it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint when it comes to a sales career. Um, you don't have to win every single deal and get 100% of credit for every deal. There has to be some portion of your your attitude and the way you look at your job and the company you work for that is in the interest of the, the company, right? And I think that's one of the great things about tech and cybersecurity is that um, you know equity is is always a part of the compensation package, and I think far too often reps are overly focused on their W two. Uh, and not as focused on the, the long-term value of the equity uh, that, that's part of their plan. And, you know, I, some folks have gone to multiple startups that haven't had a successful exit, so I can understand the skepticism, right? And, and equity is never a, a guarantee, but um, I, I do believe that uh, the best reps, the ones that make it the longest, um, that build the strongest relationships with their peers and, when, you know, with their customers and partners, are the ones that take a long-term view, uh, always act with integrity, and also, you know, set aside some portion of their um, drive um, and motivation to the overall success of the company. Because, you know, ultimately, it's it's in their interest not only on a on a personal level, um, but but also on a you know uh, a compensation level, right? If if the company has a solid exit because everyone on the team is doing well, um, that equity can be worth far more than you know the commission on any given any given deal that you might fight for. So I, I just would encourage young salespeople to check their, their ambition a little bit um, <laughs> and, and think about the, um, you know, the longer term goal of, of a very successful exit. Yeah. Well, I mean, ultimately I, I think that's, that, that's what, what it's there for, um, you know, the, the pre IPO stock, et cetera, it's, you know, to make sure everyone has that, that, that same, same vision, those same goals as, as, as the business and everyone's um, on that, on that journey them well, together. Right. Uh, you know, I think when you have people in the, in the organization and um, purely looking out for, for number one, um, that's, that's when, you know, you're, you're going to struggle. You need everyone in it to, together, right? Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> Perfect. Um, well, look at, you know, I, I think, uh, I think that kind of, kind of wraps things up here, but, um, you know, I'd like to extend, um, you know, big thanks there for, for coming on the show. 
Um, it's, it's been a pleasure to have you. Um, I'm sure you know there's, there's going to be a lot for, uh, for our listeners to, to take away there. So, um, yeah, I guess uh, on behalf of myself and, and our pre-D, thank, thanks very much, Brandon. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Appreciate it. <laughs>